You'll often hear people say, the children are the future of the church. Well, I say that's wrong. Children are not the future of the church. They are the church. And we would do well to remember that. Today we're going to take a look at children's ministry. We also have a suggestion of the week that involves safety and also an internet tip. The classic boring and useless curriculum has a worksheet full of questions in this format. What is long ears and a fuzzy tail? Followed by R blank BBIT. Today we have Pastor Roger Timer from King of Kings Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, home of Kids Count Publishing, creators of the Kingdom Quest Sunday School curriculum. Welcome, Pastor Timer. Well, well, uh, thank you, Dale. Thank you very much. So, what made, what motivated uh, you or your congregation to produce the Kingdom Quest? Kingdom Quest began nine years ago when I was in my doctoral work studying small group ministries. And I was studying the inductive Bible study methodology. And uh, for my class project, uh wrote some model uh, curricula that might be useful for elementary school age children. I was a children's, well, I was a children's pastor at the time, and I still am. And I had experienced, oh boy, much frustration in finding materials that were creative and uh, biblically sound and uh, Jesus-centered. So I had been adapting uh, existing curricula at the time. For this class project, I took a stab at writing some of my own. Then later, culminated my project with expanding that prototype and then testing it with different churches to see how well it worked in other churches as well. Uh, the result was uh, Kingdom Quest Sunday School material. So have you written the whole curriculum yourself or have you had help with that? I am what's called the creator. And to write a lesson, uh, I will oftentimes bring in another person or two people to help with the brainstorming. Mm -hmm. And in some of the lessons, I will also have a ghostwriter to whom I'll give the dictation, and they will help clean it up. Okay. Uh, the scope of the material uh, is quite a bit longer than a typical lesson. Excuse me, I, when I said scope, I should say the length of a lesson is a little bit longer than a typical Sunday school lesson, not for the amount of time that it takes, but since we use a small group, large group, small group rotation, we do a lot of scripting out of the large group presentation, uh, such as different ways of storytelling, puppet dialogues, etc. So uh, if a lesson might be 12 pages, three of which would be used by the shepherds, and nine might be used by the presenters in their technique. So the scope and sequence of the of the curriculum now has a, just about eight years of Kingdom Quest materials and six years of Kids Church materials for about 850 lessons. Wow, that's a lot of content. <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of writing, and I'm really blessed in that. There's a pretty strong support team around that helps with that dictation and uh, editing. So tell us more about the Kingdom Quest format, the rotation, and and uh, also all the, the content, the way it's presented. If you were to look at Sunday School across America today, you'd find that there are 
several different formats. And the question that people are asking is not so much what curriculum you use, but what format. The format that we have called traditional Sunday school is also known as self-contained classroom. In that format, the teacher is the primary agent. Uh, what's usually the focus is getting information out to the kids. Sometimes it might, I, I don't want to say degenerate, but sometimes it might uh, be reduced to the teacher talking and the students listening. Mm -hmm. That's not it. That's not it in its best form, I know. But that is self-contained classroom. There are other models of or formats for children's ministry out there as well. Some of those uh, might be called, uh, well, one such model is called site rotation. In that model, there may be seven different interest centers around the room, and the students would rotate every Sunday, either to a new center or two centers. And uh, that whole lesson might take four or five weeks for all the students to move through the center. Another format would be the large group presentation. And this is uh, also known as some of the kids' church models. Uh, some of these are very strongly video-driven. Mm -hmm. The model or format that we use, however, is called the large group, small group, format. However, we call it small group, large group, small group, and that's because the first 15 minutes is learning readiness. This is a warm-up activity done by the shepherd and the students that helps build relationships as well as uh, helps the child or the children together identify a certain need in their life that the lesson will later address. Then the students go to a large group presentation for 20 to 25 minutes. And in that presentation, that is also where, if a church so opts, there will be singing, the offering, the mission announced. But it is where the lesson is taught or presented. And it can be presented in our curriculum through a variety of different techniques. Uh, there are audience participation dramas, costume characters, uh, video clips from Bible videos such as the Gospel of Matthew or John. There can be techniques such as gospel illusion. There is a puppet character that helps the kids identify with something real life from their experience. Throughout the entire presentation, the kids are very engaged in getting a, a, a real clear biblical understanding. They then proceed to 20 minutes of their small group time. There, they do not use a pamphlet. They will use the Bible and review what they have just seen. They use the inductive Bible study technique, and they look at what the Bible says, uh, what it means, and then finally what it means to me. When they get to the portion on what it means to me, they oftentimes might be playing. They could do anything from having an, uh, an interactive game to making a craft, having a special snack, or talk about one of the real-life applications that they will be doing that week. The kids close with a prayer in their small group, and then they leave with one of their take-home devotional sheets or family devotions that week on the topic that they just covered. Hmm. That's Kingdom Quest, or as an example of what first through fourth graders experience. So is the Kingdom Quest curriculum specifically Lutheran? Does it include sacramental teachings? Is it Christocentric? It's absolutely uh, Lutheran. 
and its Christocentric emphasis, and uh, that is one of its biggest distinctives. It is sacramental in the fact that it not only has that orientation of God coming to man, but also it addresses uh, thorough teaching on baptism and on the Lord's Supper. It does not use some of the catch Lutheran words that we use as as often because uh, all different denominations use the material. There's been an instance or so where we've had other denominations say that ah, we can't go along with this material or this, this lesson because of this isn't part of our uh, theology, but uh, mm-hmm. what surprises me is how many do. Yeah, but you're not you're not trying to water it down then to make it more appealing to other denominations. Well, I just I couldn't water down God's word, <laughs> so no. All right, that's good to hear. I know it's a temptation for a lot of uh, groups, uh, publishers that are producing various curricula, um, seeing it, sort of looking at the the bottom line. We do a couple things, though, that help different denominations use it. Since we're electronic, we welcome each church to edit it accordingly. Okay. And uh, many of them do. When we have a series on the Ten Commandments, for an example, the numbering system in Lutheran circles Mm. and Baptist circles are different. And for those series of lessons, we attach a different order and an explanation for each one. And then we let each church, according to their numbering system, present them according to that numbering system, and then we explain a little bit about, you know, why they're numbered differently. Sure. So I believe churches appreciate understanding, you know, that difference and seeing that that difference isn't that significant, but it lets them still uh, number them the way they like to. Okay. So is there anything unique about the the Kingdom Quest curriculum that separates it from, uh, well, obviously it's very different from the uh, Sunday school, the sort of typical classroom uh, style Sunday school, but it sounds a lot like uh, more of the site rotation vacation Bible schools that have become very popular. Um, What separates uh, Kingdom Quest from some of those other ones that are out there? The distinctives that are most prominent. The first one is the fact that it's Jesus-centered. And uh, sometimes, as Lutherans, we might take this for granted. It's not to be taken for granted uh, outside of our own uh, circles. Uh, We've got such a rich value to hang on to with that. So that is one distinctive. The second distinctive is that it is extremely engaging to kids. We focus on experiencing Jesus' love in such a full way that kids respond by loving God with uh, all of their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength. And we engage each aspect of that person throughout a lesson. It's not uncommon to see the kids really experience emotions as they go through a lesson. As a matter of fact, each lesson has effective domain kinds of experience. That uh, permit uh, that encourage that. As a result, uh, it's not only engaging, but it's very fun. I I can say truthfully that in the nine years that I have watched this, hundreds and hundreds of children go through this learning experience every every weekend. Uh, I have yet to see a board 
aboard child. And not only that, I have been very blessed to watch how the kids take the uh, responsibility uh, to share their faith with others and to invite their friends. Hmm. Enough such that now we are experiencing an average of 20 new guests every weekend wow. amongst children. Uh, last Sunday, we counted up how many people in grades 1 through 6 brought someone since January. So that would be during January and February and I think the first week of March. There were 67 bringers in that span of time. Hmm. So um, that maybe leads to the third distinctive. We see kids as disciples today and want to fully equip them for ministry. And that's how they see themselves and their responsibility to share their faith and uh, uh, to make it work during during the week. If I might continue on some other distinctives, mm -hmm. it is a curriculum that is part of the new, perhaps, information age in delivery systems, since it can be downloaded from the Internet or available on CD. We do not sell it on paper. Well, I guess we do in certain cases if someone requests, but we prefer not. Therefore, a church runs off the number of copies that they need for their shepherds and the number of copies that they need for their craft pages or take-home pages. They can edit it, adapt it, and they can choose which lessons they will use throughout a series. We even give them more lessons in a year than they would use. We give them 58 instead of 52. So as a result, it, it's reproducible, adaptable, and flexible. And reusable. Very reusable. It's all recyclable. So unlike a lot of, I mean, most curricula have a date, you know, this lesson for this day, this lesson for this day, and you can't reuse it. Um, oftentimes it's even right in the licensing um, that it can't be reused. So your stuff, once you once you use it all, you can just go back and start over, and it's basically a one-time initial investment, and then you can just keep reusing it until right. Jesus comes back. Correct. And this was all born out of my frustration as a children's pastor when uh, I was choosing curriculum and I was looking at one set of books and went on the shelf and found the very same lesson that was two years earlier, just a different cover. Mm. And I said, wow, what, what an expense. And I, I well appreciate why publishing companies need to do that. It's very expensive to developing curriculum, and they need to sell uh, sell it continually. Right. Uh, when we started distributing it, it really wasn't driven out of a profit motive, and uh, it's more out of a how can we help churches be more effective in children's ministry. So uh, we were quite ready to get it out inexpensively and let people multiply it as they saw fit. One of the things that you mentioned that really caught my attention was that you're equipping children for ministry today. So often uh, they're seen as, well, we, we have to get them ready for when they go out in the real world, when they're ready to go out in the real world, as if the world that they live in now is not real yet. Yes, it's very important. Uh, that's just such an important uh, distinction. Uh, and I appreciate you making it. 
that they're they are not the church of tomorrow. They are the leaders of tomorrow, uh, but they are the church of today. And according to research in spiritual formation and discipleship, uh, most of them, by the grade six, uh, have locked in their their spiritual worldview, which means all the more we want to, by then, give them not only a biblical worldview, but a discipleship worldview that says, I am not a passive receptor of the gospel. Uh, I am a receiver of the gospel so that I can be a giver of the gospel to others. So that burns real hot in our passion and also in the passion of those who are gravitated towards our material. We've noticed a paradigm shift in our community in that it used to be that you went out, um, got adults into your congregation, and then they would bring their children. But now it seems that through programs like Vacation Bible School, Sunday School, and, and other uh, youth-oriented programs, children will come to that. They'll bring their friends. Um, kids are excited about bringing their friends to various church programs. And then when the kids start coming, then the parents want to come and find out what is it that my kid's been attending. And um, and by that, they learn more about the congregation and um, hear the gospel and uh, often even join the congregation. Yes, that's true. It's important that we not only exegete the Bible, we need to exegete the culture. And to understand this culture, I think it's significant to understand the millennial generation which this material targets, or children's ministry does target right now. Uh, millennials or Gen Y or whatever name given them uh, is that uh, group of, of Americans born from uh, 1980, 1982, uh, in there to about the year 2002. This is a very endeared generation. The parents are very focused on their children. And the challenge is this. If a child, if a family comes to church and that child says, I don't like it, that's a real problem. Especially if that family is spiritually searching and non-churched or de-churched very difficult for them to connect because they don't want to fight their kids on it. Mm-hmm. And and as you said, conversely, if a child comes and says, I can't wait to come back, then it is possible that a kid will not let mom and dad sleep in on Sunday at, Sunday morning if they don't bring them, bring that child to church. What kind of congregation do you see specifically benefiting from Kingdom Quest? Will it work with a, a smaller congregation with just a handful of volunteers, or what are the sort of minimums that it would require? The biggest challenge here is not the size of the church. It's the size of the vision. The material does not work well if the church does not have a big vision for children's ministry. The church works at all sizes if I mean, the material works at all sizes of, of churches if the church has a big vision for children's ministry in meaning. The church really values children. 
and is willing to do whatever it takes to give them a quality discipleship experience. The changes that a church undergoes, though, are significant when they use the material. Rather than being, uh, if most are coming from a self-contained classroom, where one teacher does it all, uh, now the switch is specialization. There is a large group presenter, one who uh, does that role because they're gifted in that role. And there is a shepherd as opposed to a teacher. A shepherd more relationally connects, though that shepherd is helping to explain the material. Um, but that shepherd does more than just information dissemination. That shepherd is connecting relationally. Uh, so those are roles that switch. To make it that switch easier, we provide an administration handbook that uh, has uh, is quite extensive on organizing an entire children's ministry. It covers everything from security to volunteer enlistment, uh, job descriptions, uh, leadership topics, uh, uh, just a wide a wide variety of things. Uh, even giving a uh, church a eight week countdown to implementa- implementation Sunday or kickoff Sunday. So those supports help. Um, we also have a call center that is available for questions when churches are uh, struggling at a certain at a certain uh, area, and hopefully we can provide some uh, advice, if not at least encouragement. Hey, you have another program called the Ch- the Kids Church Program. Now, is this an alternative to the Divine Service, or what exactly is this intended for? Well, Kids Church is what we call a second hour children's ministry option. Some churches like ours, will use it as a worship option for their kids in, in a second hour of the morning. Others will use it for a Wednesday night program or a Sunday night program. It is primarily a worship experience with the Word and is targeted for kids. In our setting, we have three services on Sunday morning. Kingdom Quest is offered during the middle service concurrently with that and many other adult classes. The third service hour, uh, we offer Kids Church. Families then have an option to have their children with them in the divine service the entire time, or they can let them go to their own worship service for the entire time, or they can let them go at mid-service dismissal which is a, a third option. Okay. Now, I'm sure with that, that and I, I've heard the criticisms of, of kids' church or just a sort of children's church separate section, and I, I probably don't even have to list off those criticisms because I'm sure you've heard them. Correct. How do you answer them? The question is not kids in worship. The question is kids worshiping. If I have got a... Uh, we have two levels of kids' church. One is for three, four, and five-year-olds. One is for grades one through four. If I have got a four-year-old 
And if I have got an hour worship experience to give that child, if I put him in something that's been designed for him to worship, to pray, to be involved in uh, several different learning activities around that message of the day, uh, that child has a greater worship and word experience than if that child were just sitting in divine service doing what he should do or she should do, which is sit there and be quiet, maybe color or kind of watch. One of the arguments against the kids' church model is how do kids then feel connected to the faith community? Where do they get their experience of being a church together? As I've watched this through the years, I find that kids are very connected to a faith community. For them, their faith community are the adults and the kids in their kids' church. For that matter, in our kids' church, both lower level and upper level, we have adults attend as well, and we have baptisms that happen in both of those services uh, upon the preference of the family or the child. So if they would want to be baptized and they are a fourth grader and they want to be baptized in kids' church, it is every bit as legitimate as if they were baptized in the adult service or divine service, if you call it, at the other part of the building. So it took a little bit of me learning and changing some of my presuppositions about it all as I watched this evolve. But now, having seen what kids do in kids' church, I have been as impacted there by the message, by the worship, by the prayers as I uh, have been in any adult service. If I just might add cases in point, when the kids say last week in grades one through four, that kids' church service, when it was time to pray, and we had some adults who were visiting, and uh, they were from another church, and I asked for, can I have uh, eight kids who would come and pray for these adults and their church and their ministry? I I had, I didn't have eight, I had 12. (laughs) And every one of them had a beautiful prayer out loud as they gathered around those adults and prayed for them. And I was watching these children minister to the adults through their intercessory prayer for them. And there is no doubt God himself listened and honored just as much as he would in any adult service. If people want more information about uh, either of the programs you offer, where should they go? They would go to our website. It's kidscountpublishing.com. But you must misspell Kids Count and spell it with two Ks. Okay. Kids Count, uh, both lowercase Ks, uh, kidscountpublishing.com. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Okay. And you have a, a demo CD and DVD set, right? Uh, yes, we do. So people can get a sense of, of what it's all about. We also offer uh, uh, seminars and guest weekends. So uh, for churches that are uh, interested in uh, taking a closer look, a first-hand look, they can come 
for a seminar which lasts on a Saturday uh, afternoon through Sunday afternoon, or a guest weekend which lasts for a Sunday, just a Sunday morning and early afternoon. So what is next for you? What uh, changes, advances, uh, new programs are coming out of your offices? Well, next year we will be producing. We will be... uh, there's a couple things that I'm really excited about. What I have found out as we are now giving uh, this uh, curriculum to the United States, and you know we we're in several different countries now, uh, and even have translation teams in India and Malaysia. Hmm. But what people need, churches need, is training in children's ministry for the average volunteer lay leader. So we are putting together uh, training DVDs. Uh, We will have hopefully 10 of them by fall or sometime early fall. And that excites me because we are not in the curriculum business as much as we're in the children's ministry business. And our heart is to help churches raise the value and the quality of their children's ministry experience. Next year, we will introduce another product line for Wednesday night programming. And it is called Mission Adventure Team. This will show churches how to, on Wednesday night, uh, or whatever night they so choose, give their uh, kids experiences in being part of different teams that do mission activity. And this could be anything from uh, visiting nursing homes to worship teams to prayer intercession teams to cookie baking teams and giving to uh, shut-ins. It's it's just a delightful experience to watch kids practice their faith. And then probably in a year and a half, we will begin to introduce some of our Faith Legacy events. And Faith Legacy events are DVDs that gather parents together at different age levels and give them very practical ways to to grow spiritually in the home. Each one of these Faith Legacy events center around a, a transition point of of a child's life. There's a faith legacy event that happens at baptism called Faith Chest. And we have first Bible at two-year-olds. We have first worship kit at four-year-olds. We have uh, towel and basin at first grade, first Bible at second grade. And we have first communion, confirmation, first car keys, all the way up. Hmm. And at those intersection points, we have three sessions for parents to help learn how to be spiritual with their kids in the home and put the responsibility back in the home for raising their uh, children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Excellent. Glad to hear that. You guys have a, a email mailing list to, so that people can sign up and be notified when these new products are coming out? No, we don't. And that's because we're just not sure if we can make all of our goals for production. So when it comes out, what we'll probably do is uh, do some kind of advertising, but then hopefully it will be just by word of mouth. And, and right now we're still practicing these faith legacy events 
here, we're learning how to do them better and better. And we test everything before we produce it and send it out. So just keep checking back to the website then. It, yes, and, and we do know that it depends if we're going to release the whole set or just a couple of them. That we just don't know, but we ought to have some by fall of 07. We hope to have uh, some of them. Now, if we don't release all of them, then it will be fall of 08 before we have all of them. Is there anything else you'd like to add today? I love Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope uh, I hope that what God has given us here to give away to churches, I hope that that helps uh, hundreds of thousands of kids experience the love of Jesus in such a way that they love him with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, thank you for your time today. Thank you. And now it's time for the product suggestion of the week. When you're driving down the road and your cell phone rings, what do you do? You want to answer it, but at the same time, it's not very safe to answer the phone when you're driving. My suggestion is a cell phone with an automatic answer feature, so that when it rings... You can either push a button or you can set it just automatically answer. And it will have a pre-recorded message that says something like, Hi, I'm driving. Hold on. I'll be with you in a sec. And you could record the message so you could have it say whatever you want, and it'll be in your voice. And that will tell the people that if they can just hold on a minute, as soon as you have a chance to pull over, that they can talk with you then. That way, you don't have to be distracted while you're driving. You can pull over whenever it's convenient for you, and everybody on the road around you will be safer. If you're buying something online, there's lots of different places to buy things. Some of the merchants you've heard of before, Amazon, things like that, Walmart, but other places you haven't heard of because they're little independent places. So how do you know if that place is reputable? Well, do a search. Type the name of the company in a search engine like Google, and then type review, and see what comes up. And you'll find that very often people have left user reviews of various organizations. You can look at places like epinions.com and other sites like that, and you can find out what people's experiences are. Now, you're going to find that sometimes the people are very negative, sometimes people are very positive, and oftentimes if you see a whole bunch of positives and then just one negative, Sometimes you can do a search on that particular person who left the review. And you'll find that some people are just very negative people and tend to only leave negative reviews. Other people leave positive ones. And in fact, some companies have even hired people to go to opinion sites and leave positive reviews of their organization. So you have to watch that too. And you, So with any review... It's always good to look at what other reviews has this person left. You can also look at product reviews if you're not sure about a product. ePinions also has those. Other sites like Amazon.com, even if you're not buying from Amazon, they have user product reviews of almost every product. But again, with those, it might be a product that where the review is posted by an employee of the manufacturer. So again, you want to check and see what other reviews that person has left to get a sense of who that person is and what their motivation is behind their review. So it's a bit long and drawn out, but the more time you spend on it, the more comfortable you can be with your purchase. Next week on Lutheran Weekly, I don't have anybody set up right now. Well, 
Actually, I have four different people set up right now, but none of them actually scheduled for an interview. Hopefully we'll have one or more interviews done next week so that I can post a new episode next week. This week's interview was literally scheduled 15 minutes before the actual interview took place. So I can't tell you exactly who we're going to have next week, but there's a pretty good chance that there will be an episode, but I just can't tell you who it's going to be with right now. Just a reminder that if you or somebody you know might be interested in being interviewed on this program, please let me know. Send names, email addresses, phone numbers, what have you. I'd really appreciate it so that I can include more people, as well as including the sort of people that you'd like to hear from. Or if you have suggestions of people that you don't necessarily know, but you'd like to hear an interview with, drop me a line, give me a suggestion, and I'll see what I can arrange. Well, that closes the book on another Lutheran Weekly. Remember that you can post comments on our forums at lcmspastor.com forum and ask questions of upcoming guests. Your questions will be read on the air during the interview. If you'd like to leave a voicemail to be aired on the show, you may call 206-339-7909 to leave a message. Thank you, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.